I want to share with you a word that's a little different than what we had been doing in our previous series as we were talking about the hidden reality of the kingdom of God. Um, I've been doing some, the Lord just kind of dropped something in my spirit. And if you will hear me today, this word's going to bless you. I know it is because I, uh, and you'll see how in just a moment. Um, The Bible says in John chapter 2, verse 16, just want to share a little something with you. In John chapter 2, verse 16, Jesus is dealing with Jesus, and he said unto them that sold doves, take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. Verse 17, his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. We often remember that Jesus says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but yet ye have made it a den of thieves. This is the same scriptural reference as that one. What's interesting is Jesus is walking the earth and he is concerned about his father's house. It's interesting that Jesus would have a concern about the house of God. Let me share something with you from 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1. Now, in the future, we're going to have our screens up here, and you'll be able to see the scriptures up on the screen like we did before. But due to the urgency of the move, (laughs) we couldn't get everything here at one time. So y'all going to just have to bear with. I'll tell you what's going to be exciting. Week after week, you're going to come and see something new. How about that? You're going to see something new every week, so bless the Lord. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1. My subject matter today is my house, your house. My house, your house. I want to talk about, number one, when God's house is in your heart. See, David had a heart to build. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1, came to pass when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. Nathan said to the king, Go do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. So David has a heart to build the house of God. David is not building it, it's just in his heart. So let's see, how does God respond to that? 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 11. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee the rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee an house. Wait a minute, because I have the house of God in my heart, God going to make me a house. Yeah, y'all going to start getting it now. Y'all going to start getting it. Like I start getting it. And when thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. So wait a minute. You're going to bless my kids because I got the house of God in my heart. Okay. Verse 13. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. 
But my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. Verse 16, and thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. So because you have my house in your heart, I'm going to establish your house forever. It's going to start to pick up with you in a minute. What happens when you not just have it in your heart, but number two, when you build the house of God? Go with me to Luke chapter 7. We're going to be wrapping up for long, y'all. Luke chapter 7, verse 1. The Bible says, now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. When he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. You know, just as a little sidebar, this is a centurion or a sinner or a heathen. Notice he doesn't even come to Jesus. He goes and gets a Jewish representative. I'm not worthy to be in the presence of God. I'm just going to get somebody else to go on my behalf. Now, if you are a reader of the scriptures, you are aware that there's a time where a lady comes to Jesus and she asks Jesus for some help. And Jesus says, it's not right that I give the children's bread to you. And she says, but even dogs fall off the table. I mean, even crumbs fall off the table to dogs. What the whole scenario of that was, she was not a Jew at the time. She was not in covenant relationship, nor is this man. Now, I know you're saying, what's the big deal on that? Because what would prompt Jesus to respond to somebody who's out of covenant relationship? I want to make sure you understand the context. Verse 4, and when they came to Jesus, they being the elders, the Jewish elders that he sent to him. When they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. So they say, wait a minute, Jesus, this man is worthy for you to come and deal with his situation. Why would he be worthy? He's a heathen. Verse 5, for he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Look at verse 6, then Jesus went with him. No discussion. No reference on what I don't know. In light of what he has done for my father's house. Oh, I'm preaching better than y'all said. Amen. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself. for I'm not worthy that I should enter under my roof. Look at uh, now, now th- that was his request. He wanted Jesus to come. Look at the response to his request in verse nine. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him. So now Jesus is coming to help his servant. This guy makes a statement to Jesus. Jesus stopped the whole procession and said, wait a minute. Turned around and started talking to the people that's following him. Let me tell you about this man. He has greater faith than I found inside Israel. So wait a minute. So it must be something about the faith of people who decide to build the house of God. Today, I just came to exhort. I'm just going to drop a few things in your spirit. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. I just want you to hear something. 
Now, point number three, because we're moving on. What happens when you neglect the house of God? I'm going somewhere. Go with me to Haggai chapter one. Haggai only got two chapters. So it's going to be real easy. We're going to close out in Haggai, so y'all know it won't be too long. Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. This is a good book for those that, I mean, it's all a good book. For those that think God take a long time to do stuff, read Haggai. <laughs> Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, this is what y'all are saying, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. You know, what's interesting was, it, they, it wasn't that they didn't think that God's house should be built, they just said it shouldn't be built now. Look at this. He says, then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you ain't got enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there's none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to be put into a bag with holes. Mm -hmm. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. He said, wait a minute, I want you to look at something. You go to work and you make a good salary. But what you earn, it's got holes in it. You still ain't got enough. You're able to buy and eat and all of this, but you're not filled. He said, I want you to see something. Watch this. This is, this is what the Lord dropped in my spirit. The problem was my house, your house. See, your house was together. His house wasn't. So he said, since you don't recognize the deficit in my house, I'm going to put a deficit in your house. Verse 8, he says, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. So building God's house, it pleases him and it glorifies him. Oh boy, y'all ain't with me yet. He says, verse 9, you look for much and lo, it came to little. When you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why? Why would God do this? Because my house that is waste, and you run every man unto his own house. Because of the neglect that you're putting on my house is the reason I'm doing this. Don't y'all check out on me yet. I got you. I got you. Hang in there. Therefore, the heaven over you is stayed from dew. The earth is stayed from her fruit. And I will call for a drought upon the land and upon the mountains and upon the corn and upon the new wine and upon the oil and upon that which the ground bringeth forth and upon men and upon cattle and upon all the labor of the hands. All your work, I'm calling for a drought on it. It's not going to produce because you neglected my house. So we talked about rejecting or, or, or uh, I'm sorry, neglecting the house of God. How about respecting 
the house of God. Same book, Haggai chapter 1, look at verse 13. Same people. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. Why? And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did the work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, in the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Twenty-three days later. Instead of neglecting the house of God, they started respecting. And God said, I'm with you now. I'm with you now. What about when you suspect of God's house? Ah. Not only can you neglect God's house, not only can you respect God's house, but some people get suspect of God's house. Oh, hold on. Just work with me a little bit. Haggai chapter 2, verse 1. Told you, we're going to finish in this book. I'm almost done. Haggai chapter 2, verse 1. In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? He said, wait a minute. Now, I know you all are running around here comparing this to the house that Solomon built. I know y'all running around here saying, you know, what Solomon, he had, he had, the Bible says Solomon had silver like rocks on the ground. The, 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 the palace or the temple that Solomon built was absolutely gorgeous, full of gold, silver, all kind of precious things that was in it. And now here they are building it. Remember, said God, go, God said, go to the mountain and get some wood. You don't hear about all of these other fine items. And they're saying, in comparison to that house, this house ain't nothing. But watch what God says, because now you start to respect my house. So they was getting a little suspect. It ain't going to be as good. It ain't going to, I don't know if it's going to turn out right. I know we're building it. But I'm not sure. Look at verse 4. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Jesedek, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. Keep working, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when ye came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while. And I'll shape the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will make all nations and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, wait a minute. Here's, watch verse 8. Here's the concern. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. He said, wait a minute. I know y'all concerned about all the silver that was in the temple before. I know you're concerned about all of the gold trappings that was in there before. But the silver is mine and the gold. And instead of silver and gold, this time I'm filling it with glory. Look at verse 9. The glory of this latter house, not the silver. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. 
And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. So see, they had gotten a little suspect saying that what we're building, it's not going to be as wonderful as before. He said, no, 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 no. When I put my glory in this, it will exceed what you have seen before. So the real glory is not in the appearance, but it's in the presence. As I close, number four, expect something from the house of God. Now, I'm doing this, and I'm going to tell you, uh, Reverend Walker and Anda, the Lord bless you all, because I didn't know y'all was going to be here today, but I thought about the people that helped us. And I thought about, I said, Lord, now, God just got a way of working things out, because this is a word for the people that helped us. This is a word for the people that tied in and, and, and just some kind of way saw this because everybody didn't see it. Everybody don't see when God is doing something. I, I have taught people, and Redeeming Love, you know, it comes times where things are discerned, not learned. You got to discern the things of the Spirit. When God is moving, every, everybody don't catch it. Watch this. I'm going to close on this. And, and y'all, y'all, if you get this, it's going to bless you. Haggai chapter 2, verse 15. And now I pray you, consider from this day and upward, from before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple of the Lord. Since those days were, when one came to a heap of 20 measures, and there were but 10. When one came to the press fat to draw out 50 vessels out of the press, there were but 20. I smote you with blasting and with mildew and with hell in the labors of your hands, yet you turn not to me, saith the Lord. So let, let, let me give you the context of what's being said here. He said, now, wait a minute. I want you to think about something. Before you started working on the house of God, things weren't turning. You expected a greater return than what you got. He said you would go looking for 20 and you got 10. Wasn't that you didn't get a return. It wasn't as much as you thought. He says, before you propose, watch this, before you propose to build my house, what you expected always came up short. Man, Lord, I, I, you know, I, I sold, I was doing this, and, but it came up short. Because remember, they had neglected God's house. They were trying to get everything for them and not for him. In other words, before your priorities were out of order. See, we think when he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. We just talk about spiritual things. Seek ye first the kingdom. If the house of God is part of his kingdom, guess what you need to be seeking first? Verse 18. Now watch what God says now. Consider now from this day forward, and I, I'm going to finish after this because I'm, I'm preaching myself happy because I know what this says. Consider now from this day forward, or from this day and upward, from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. God said, listen, mark this down. Mark this day down. What day is he talking about? The day you decided to work on the house of God. He said, put, put it down. Make it special. Highlight it. Let me show you why. He says, is the seed yet in the barn? You got to get this. This is so good. 
Is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, as yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the oil and the olive tree hath not brought forth. From this day will I bless you. Watch this. Not only did God say mark this down, here's the one time I have ever seen in the Bible. Watch this. God is saying, before you can ever sow it, I'm going to bless you. Because of what you purpose to do for my house. He was saying, check out where your seed is at. You haven't even got in there to get the seed to sow it. You haven't even went into the storehouse to get it. The stuff is still in there. But you can mark from this day, I'm going to bless you because of what you purpose to do in my house. In other words, God said, I'm going to violate the normal laws. The normal laws had you to go and get your seed to sow it, and the seed was going to bring up the harvest. He said, before you can go get all of the seed to start sowing it, I'm blessing you this day because you took my house and made it a priority. Oh, my goodness. Even before we can see this today, I'm going to be honest with you. It's not about sowing seed. It's about the seed you've sown. It's about what you've already done. It's about everybody to partner with us to do the work of the ministry. It's about everybody that said, well, you know what? All of those people that some of them, I don't even know who they are. They sow. I'm serious. That's the truth. It's folks that sow. I don't even know who they are. But they partner, and God knows who they are. It's not about the seed that, oh, well, I got to sow a seed. You don't have to, listen, now you may not, Lord, help me. Help me because I'm getting excited. But listen, I'm going to say this. You don't have to sow nothing. It's about what you've already sowed. That's what activated this. And God said, now, this is our first Sunday in here. If you got a calendar on your phone, I want you to highlight today. I want you, uh, just, you can just put uh, RLWM on there. Oh, because I, I, I'm going to pray. I, I'm going to pray in a minute, but I want everybody to highlight their phones. I want you to highlight this day. If you got a, uh, uh, if you want those people to still carry a daily planner, just get in there, open your little planner and mark something on that. If you've partnered with us, and what the Lord has done here. I need you to highlight this. I told you that I wanted to be an art cog, an authorized representative of the kingdom of God. Well, I believe I stand as an authorized representative today. All right, when you get finished highlighting, y'all look up here so I know y'all finished. Now, y'all ain't got to write a whole paragraph in there. I just want you to highlight the day now. <laughs> Pastor said it was a, just high. I just want, because I want you to be able to look back on this. Amen. You finished? Yeah. All right. If you have partnered with us in this ministry in sowing a seed. Now, I'm, I'm going to give a, I'm going to give a chance for those. If you want to do something later, but I, I need to pray for us first. Let me see. How, how can I do this? Holy Spirit, how you want to do this? I, I want you to stand if you've already partnered with us. You, now, remember we used to say building fun and all of that? Reverend Walker and them, y'all, y'all, and Andy, y'all need to stand. Yeah, y'all, y'all definitely need to stand. I just want y'all to, y'all need to stand. Trust me. Hallelujah. Listen, I believe 
that God is a rewarder than to diligently seek him. Seeking him is not always just in prayer, seeking his will, doing those things that he calls us to do. And you all, I know, some of you all have made tremendous sacrifices. My wife and I, I know the kind of sacrifices that we have made. Uh, So I understand. I cannot pay you. But that's okay. You don't want me to pay you. You want God to pay you. Because he says, whatever is right, I'll pay. He knows what you need now and in your future. And I'm telling you, this service is not about the seed you need to sow. This service is about the seed you've sown. The Lord said here in the word, he said, now watch this. Is the seed yet in the barn? So it's still in your wallet, it's still in your purse, it's still in your bank account. He said, yes, whether it was a vine, whether you was going to sow a little bit, whether it was a fig tree, whether you was going to sow a little bit more, or whether it's the pomegranate or the olive tree, it, none of it has produced for you yet. So in other words, you cannot attribute what's about to happen in the future based on anything you're going to sow. He's saying, watch this, it hath not brought forth, but from this day I will bless you without you having even sown it. It's because of what you did previously. Are you seeing this? It is evident he's brought us in here. So if he's brought us in here, we've seen the fulfillment of what he wanted to do. Now the only thing is him manifesting his blessing on us. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, as these stand and are resting upon their feet, God, they partnered with us, with us in the work that you prescribed to be done in this land. God, I pray that the blessings of the Lord will overtake them. I rebuke every infirmity. I curse it at its root now in the name of Jesus. Father, I stand as an authorized representative of your kingdom. I decree and I release the blessings of the Lord upon them. God, I pray that you would overshadow every area of their lives that has need of your blessing. And God, it will be manifest because they partnered with us in the work of the kingdom of God. I decree it to be so in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And it's on your calendar. It's on your calendar. And if I be a man of God, it's going to manifest. It's going to manifest. You may be seated. That's what I have for the day. Hallelujah. That's just the way the Lord had orchestrated for the day. Listen, you may be here, and I know you said, well, you came maybe to celebrate with us, and we appreciate that, and we honor the Lord for what he has done. But the greatest work in the kingdom of God is salvation. There's nothing greater than a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not about church. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You and I are responsible for our own confession of salvation. Nobody can do it for us. Nobody else can stand in the gap and, 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 well, I'm going to believe for your salvation. You can believe for it, but we're responsible for it. Today, each and every one of us, we have to understand that, listen, we were born into sin. 
It ain't the fact that you say, well, I don't sin much or I didn't do that. No, me and you both were born into sin. We were wicked. We were enemies of God. But because of the love of God, Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day for each and every one of us. That's why God says, if you can confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, what do you mean confess? If you can agree with God that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. It's not about you agreeing with him just being Lord. It's Lord of your life. He is Lord whether you accept him or not, whether I accept him or not. But you agreeing with him, that's your confession. And then you believing in your heart. Do you honestly believe that God rose Jesus from the dead? That's what the criteria of being saved. Not a church membership. That's all comes afterwards. That's about because you want to believe and grow in the things of God. You want to learn more about him. That's why he asked us all to be part of a local church. But I want you to know the importance of being saved. If we're not saved, we will die and spend all eternity in hell. The Bible says, the, it literally talks about, uh, when you look at it for what it really says, we were not intended to go, hell, go to hell. Because hell was created for the devil and his angels. It's not created for us. But God has no other place to put people that don't want to be with him. Oh, hear me now. There's no other place to go. There's a heaven and a hell. And the only way you'll go to heaven is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, every head bow, eyes are closed just for a moment. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you, 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 you just, I, you know, I, I was just here, you know, somebody told me to come and I came or whatever. I, I don't want you to leave out of this place lost. God loves you. If there was nobody else on this planet, Jesus would have still died for you. That's love. He loved you enough to sacrifice his life for you. Why don't you love him enough to live your life for him? If you're here today and you say, well, listen, I, preacher, that's me. I understand. I, I, I really need to change. And I've been thinking about some things in my life and I just didn't know what else I needed to do. Now it's getting clear. That's what I need is a relationship with Christ. Well, listen, I'm going to ask you in a moment here to really make a decision. Because that's what it takes is a decision. You to make a conscious decision right now on where you want to spend eternity. I know there's so many things going on in our world, but I'm talking beyond this world. I'm talking about where we'll spend all eternity. It's either in heaven or in hell. Well, I don't know if I could be good enough. Listen, none of us are good enough. That's why we need a Savior. Because we're not good enough. But we have a Savior who dispenses grace to us each and every day. He gives us, renewed, I mean, he gives us new mercies every day. That's how we make this. Not because we're perfect, not because we don't do anything wrong, but because of a Savior who has grace for everything that we have need of. Maybe you're here and you say, well, listen, I've backslid and I've gotten away from my relationship with Christ and I'm kind of just doing my own thing and I found myself wandering back out there doing some things that I shouldn't. Hey, it's okay. The Bible says that God is married to the backslider. That if you would just come and simply rededicate your life today, Lord, I want to get back on track with you. I messed up. His grace is sufficient. His grace can cover your mess up. But you have to make a conscious decision to want to do right. Finally, there may be some here that you say, well, listen, I need a church home, a place that I can grow, 
be nurtured in the things of God. Well, we extend to you that opportunity here at Redeeming Love Word Ministries. If you need a church home, we're here for you. So listen, either of those three, three things. Number one, you want to be saved. Number two, you may recognize that, hey, I've slipped away and I want to come back and rededicate myself unto the Lord. Or thirdly, you say, well, listen, I need a church home. If either of those three things pertain to you, now I ask you to make your decision. That decision is to come and to meet me here at this altar. Meet us, these altar workers. Let us pray with you. Let us invite you to share in a wonderful relationship with the Savior of the world. If that's you, come and meet us here. Make that decision. I promise you it will be the best decision you have ever made in all of your life. If you're not saved, come and meet us here. If you need to rededicate your life, come and meet me here. If you're looking for a church home, come and meet me here. Well, preacher, why you got to do that publicly? Listen, one of the things about the enemy, if you're afraid to acknowledge God publicly, then one of the things he's going to do is privately talk you out of it. Make up in your mind, for God I live, for God I die. This thing has got to be real. The, The enemy, he is the enemy of your soul. He wants you to spend all eternity with him in hell. Because you were created in God's image. He don't want anything around him that looked like God succeeding. My last appeal, while every head is bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here, please consider your ways. Like he spoke to the people from Haggai. Consider your ways. Am I living a life that's pleasing to God? Is this really what I'm supposed to do? Am I fulfilling my purpose? Or is this just something that I'm just doing and not understanding that all I'm doing is existing and not living? Jesus said in John 10 and 10, the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. What about the abundant life? The Zoe life, the life that God wants you to live. Are you living that? When you get up and depart out of here, what are you going back to? Are you going back to a life that you know God would be pleased with? Are you going back to a life that you know that God would, this is exciting. I'm living the life that my Savior, my Lord, called me to live. Or are you recognizing that I'm coming short? I've sinned and come short of his glory and I need to correct my life. This is the place to do that. We're not here to condemn you. We're here to love you. How about it? Where are you today in your relationship with God? Is there anyone? Amen. Let's get a Lord a hand clap. Hallelujah. Thank you. Well, amen.